Welcome to Bible and Stuff, a podcast about the Bible and stuff. <laughs> I'm Glenn. And I'm Tanner. Wait, wait, you Sorry, made, I you wanted to do it a little bit different. different. I, yeah. <laughs> I I feel like, it, you know, if it's the same every time, I, I just, I don't know. I need Getting to spice it up, throw you. you off a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm easily thrown off. Uh, usually I'm the one <laughs> rambling over here and you do something. I have no idea uh, how to how to respond. But um, today, Glenn, we have a guest yeah. that we're very excited we about. Do. I think we say the same thing every time we have a guest. We have a guest and we're very excited about it, but we are very excited but it's about true. it. every time. <laughs> <laughs> we, uh, it's one of our favorite things, I think, that we get to do is when um, we get to have someone like Justin on who is very knowledgeable and has written a good book um, that I enjoyed quite a bit, but also is just fun to talk to and we can joke and laugh yeah. along the way. Um, and that's that's how we rate our interviews. Has has obviously you know the content good content yeah, yeah. yeah but but if we feel like oh that was fun at the end of it yeah. then then we usually are pretty excited about uh, and that was today happened. that was sure. exactly what happened today. <laughs> uh, so Tanner kind of already alluded to it today uh, on the show we had Justin Whitmell early. Uh, and if you don't know who he is, he's a writer, speaker, and lawyer from Richmond, Virginia. And he's the author of the award-winning book on habits and spiritual formation called The Common Rule, uh, as well as the new book, which we're going to be talking about today, which is called Habits of the Household, Practicing the Story of God in Everyday Family Rhythms. Um, and yeah, like you said, it was just a blast talking to him. It was well, that's the thing. It was good content and good conversation. Uh, which yeah. when you got both of those, for sure. Awesome. And he's he's very good at this stuff. It's stuff that I want to get better at forming uh, habits. Both uh, personally, like he talks about a lot in the common rule, and we talked about some in our in our talk today. Um, but but also, he does a really good job of drilling those things down into your family, um, in a, in a way that is a positive gospel impact. Um, and in humility, you and your kids. Yeah. Yeah. He was, uh, very open about just, you know, what his experiences were and, um, not shying away from the hard things in his life too, which was, um, really helpful for me and i'm sure it'll be for your our listeners yeah when too. somebody seems like they have it all together i like it when they reassure me that they do in fact not yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think justin strikes that that balance well we if we had had any more time to talk to him uh we should have tried to get some law advice but but we didn't so we don't get into that today uh but everything else we talked about was great so without further ado let's just jump right into it our interview with justin whitmill early Justin, thank you for joining us. Uh, we're really excited to talk to you about your book and, and learn more about yourself as well. Y'all are so welcome. I'm glad to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, well, first things first, I'm I'm really curious. You've written two books now that both kind of focus on habits. Um, but the, the Common mm-hmm. Rule was a little more personal, individual, but now you're taking that into the family and talking about how that all works itself out in your household. And so I'm curious, is that just... Is that just who you are? You're wired that way, or what? What has brought you to this point where you go, okay, I think this is this is important? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Tanner. I do not think I am necessarily <laughs> wired that way. Yeah. Um, I joke now that both of my books, I'm two for two on writing out of crisis. 
So I guess the way it works for me is that I, I have some sort of collapse or awful thing happen or realization that I'm horrible. And then as I sort that out with the Lord, uh, he, he prompts me to write about it. So, yeah. so yeah, that's the, and I, I could go into that on both of them, but both of these, both of my books came out of my life kind of crumbling in a certain area because of the lack of intentional habit. And I'd say that that mm. way on purpose, because it's not that I didn't have other habits. In fact, I had really chaotic habits in both situations, yeah. but because of the realization that, oh, I wasn't paying attention to my habits. I wasn't choosing them on purpose in both situations, the common rule in my personal life and then habits of the household and my family life. Those both books were written out of an, an embrace of intentionality in those rhythms. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's a great point. And I think, uh, that that's part of the reason why it's so it can feel so difficult to form new habits because you're not just starting from nothing and you're you're you know creating something new on top of it. You're having to right. un, unlearn some old habits, some old patterns that you tend to fall into, and and so you're doing a little bit of double duty there and trying to replace that with something that's good and helpful. Yes, yeah. I often tell people that's like um, it's kind of like the Christian understanding of idolatry or our loves. Mm-hmm. It doesn't really work to just stop loving something, you've got to find something better to love or something that really Mm. captures your love. And I think it's important for people to understand habits the same way. The the best way to stop the bad things you're doing is not to like go cold turkey, I'm just not going to do this X. Mm -hmm. It's to replace it with something better. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. that could be like whether we're talking about like nasty stuff like you know, alcoholism or, you know, pornography habits or just a little um, still still dark stuff, but difficult in different ways of like technology addictions or like, you know, your, the ways that you use your phone. In any of these cases, we want to think about what are the rhythms you ought to embrace um, because we're creatures of habit. We're always going to be doing some kind of habit and it doesn't really help us just to, to think about stopping. It's better to think about replacing. Yeah, hmm, that's good. And something that's really helpful that I remember even from the first book is you talk about the fact we think so much about forming habits, but really the, the opposite is also true, that our habits really form who we are. Can you piece yes. that out a little bit? Yeah, I mean, maybe the best way to do that is just to recap for anybody like the what made me write about this in the first place. So I, I was a missionary in China for a couple of years before going to law school and becoming a lawyer. And I've really felt called by the Lord to join uh, this occupation that I'm still in as a business lawyer. That's my full-time job, um, even though I, I write about this stuff on the side. Um, and I had a breakdown in my first year of lawyering where I was believing all the same things I had always believed as a missionary and as a someone who felt called to the world of lawyering, that like God loves me, that um, I'm here for a reason that my work is important, that my family is important, all these things. And yet I found myself in this place, my first year of lawyering, where I was having constant panic attacks, um, really bad anxiety, insomnia. I, I mean, to put it bluntly, like I got to the place where I wasn't able to fall asleep without either taking pills or having a drink. And um, while I wasn't, you know, abusing either in the ways that you might imagine, you know, an alcoholic or like an, an addict, I realized I had become converted to the nervous medicating lawyer in very short order. And for a former missionary, I was really interested in how that happened because I hadn't changed any of my worldview. I thought I hadn't changed any of the things that I was thinking. Um, And 
while I'm condensing, you know, a long, complicated and, and you know, very personal story, sure. what I found after really a year of working through this with family and friends was that I believe strongly that I had been converted by habit, that I had gone to law school and embraced the ways of living as a lawyer and a top law school student, which is just, you know, constant constant in touch with the calendar and the beeps and rings and dings and alerts, staying up later, waking up early, always adding more to my resume, always saying yes, never saying mm-hmm. no, because I always wanted to be wanted and wanted to be needed. And I just didn't think that those were the kinds of things that like shaped your heart. I thought that was, you know, work stuff, you know, out there. And so what I, what I found was that what you, you know, started with Tanner is that habits form us far more than we think and habits form the heart far more than we think. And a lot of how we feel mentally, emotionally, and how we think spiritually and actually function in the world is far more a product of our habits than our hopes. They both matter. So, you know, hear me clearly. Worldview matters. Hopes matter. All this stuff matters. But usually we know that. What we don't know is how much our habits matter. And so we can think all day about forming habits, but the most important thing to realize is that your habits are forming you. So in light of that, which ones do you want to pick? Yeah. 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 You telling that story kind of leads me right into the next question that I was pondering as we were talking about this. And I think when you when you start to think about habits, maybe you, you go mentally to like this um, – this like self-help place or, you know, like a, yeah. an efficiency yeah. place. And I think for people who are in, you know, an experience like yours where it's like, I'm falling up, like everything is crashing down right now. Um, that seems very overwhelming to, to be like, Oh, I'm going to take this book. That's going to give me a lot more checklist things to do. And, and I don't know if I have that in me right now. How do you meet mm-hmm. people who are in that kind that space? And how do you encourage them to, to maybe think about this in a different way? That's a, such a good question. I really like to do that kind of throat clearing on the front end, so I'm glad you <laughs> glad you asked it. <laughs> I would say, yeah, two things. Um, one, the purpose of rethinking your habits is so that you can love God and love neighbor, mm-hmm. period. It is not, uh, habits are often talked about in sort of self-help and productivity, and you can, you know, do more and do the right things, and even health and exercise and eating, and all, all this stuff. That's great. That it's and and actually, it's all true. I think the habits I talk about in the common rule will make you more productive, will make you healthier, will make you use your time better. That's great. That's just not the main thing I'm talking about. They are yeah. byproducts of loving God and loving neighbor, which is phenomenal, right? Because like God is God is showing us, you know, that the, the good life is found in Him, and there are all kinds of wonderful things that come when you live a life of love for God and neighbor. So those things are byproducts. But what I'm mostly talking about is. What kind of habits would we pick to form us into who we were created to be? And that is fundamentally someone who loves God and loves neighbors. So that's that's number one. And and number two is you can still have that lingering idea of like, well, that sounds great, but um, I'm already quite busy. And like, I, I mean, <laughs> look, if <laughs> this book found me right in a place of crisis, right? And lots of times these podcasts or an article on this stuff, or I'm speaking at an event, I'm talking to people in places of crisis. Yeah. Because the American cultural current is sweeping us somewhere, and we don't yeah. even know we're in it, but it's taking us downstream, and we're hitting rocks. And you know, I mean, it, it's this is not it, we're not in a neutral place. And so I'm talking to people. Um, hopefully, right now, listeners thinking like, you know, I, I'm, I might be in the middle of a crisis. Right? I am not trying to give you more to do. 
I'm trying to say that, that it is not hard to do these things. What's hard is to do nothing because to do nothing is to continue in the life that you have now. Right. Mm-hmm. And that is, um, that's not neutral. It's taking you somewhere. So th- realize that we're not talking about all these things you need to do. Usually you're doing more in what you're doing now. And I want to call you to do less in a certain sense. I want to call you to scale back and focus mm-hmm. on the love of God and neighbor and see how freeing that actually is. Now it's, it's a heavy burden to, to do nothing is a very heavy, heavy burden is how I would put it. Yeah. So uh, let me kind of follow up to that by asking, you know, you went through this crisis, you, you realized what was going on and you, you made these changes, I guess, for those listeners who are going through that same kind of ordeal and are like trying to grasp at any kind of hope that there is, what, what significant changes have you seen come from it? I mean, what, what is, um, what is the outcome of those, those changes that you've made? You know, when I, when I stumbled on this, um, it really was stumbling. So about a year into my crisis, I sat down with two of my best friends at a restaurant and I asked them to keep me accountable to this program of daily and weekly habits. And one would rightly ask like, well, how did you get there? And I had tried, you know, medication. I tried counseling. I tried a lot of things and none of them fundamentally were changing the sort of inner sense of turmoil and panic and anxiety that I was wrestling with. And this was kind of a last ditch effort. Um, you know, I'd been reading about the importance of habit. I'd been reading, um, particularly some James K.A. Smith on the way that cultural liturgies form us. And so I was sort of vaguely aware of the idea that my habits might matter, but honestly it was a lot of providence that I sat down with these two friends and said, Hey, keep me accountable, this daily and weekly habits. I want to just try to be healthier but I will say, I, I did not think that these were going to matter because at the time mm-hmm. I had no idea how much the smallest and, you know, most ordinary routines of our days of week and our days and weeks actually affect us in extraordinary and extraordinarily spiritual ways. And so my life began to drastically change. And so to your question, Glenn, I, I yeah. literally started to feel different. I literally started to sleep different. Um, not to mention, I, you know, I was like, I, I tell people, after starting some of these habits that I write about in The Common Rule, I actually entered into a place with my walk with the Lord where my life wasn't easy. I mean, I was still in a new job and like young children working myself out of the anxiety crash. It's, life was not easy. But I started to feel an intimacy with the Lord that I hadn't felt and even surpassed what I had felt as a missionary in China. And mm-hmm. I thought that was one of the most interesting and compelling things that as I really started to embrace this life of spiritual habit, which, you know, honestly is like to kind of not bury the lead and show my cards. It's really just like taking the spiritual discipline seriously. I mean, it's, we can yeah. talk about how it applies to phones and, and technology and kids and household rhythms, but it's really just taking the spiritual disciplines of, of, of rest, of scripture, of prayer, of fasting, of community, all, all these kinds of things seriously. Mm-hmm. And I found a wildly new level of intimacy with with God. And I was like, oh, that's why the church for millennia has recommended these practices, you know? And that's why the Bible continues to talk about them like in every other book, you know, it's like, it's not a secret. It was just rediscovering what, you know, it was the Lord leading me to to the waters of, of scripture and church history and realizing yeah. that they did apply to our modern moment. So lots of things changed specifically my anxiety, but way more and more than that was that my intimacy with the Lord really started to look different. That's awesome. You, um, you said something in there that I wanted to, 
to pull on a little more uh, because you reference it early on in this in this new book, as I said, where we're talking about habits of the household, that the greatest spiritual work happens in the normal moments of domestic life. What do you mean mm. when you say that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the greatest spiritual work happens in the normal moments of everyday life. This, I think it was it was funny. Like I spent these years of writing and thinking about this stuff primarily in my technological life, in my work life, um, in my communal life, yes. But I, I had made all these like leaps and bounds, honestly, in thinking about how to reform my habits without really fully making the connection that these things were forming my children as much as they were forming me. And I just think this is like another mm-hmm. gracious place that the Lord led me um, to one can only do so much at one time, right? So like in, in, the one, in, in one way, it's just to say like, he is, he's so gracious, you know, he led me through these and then he was like, okay, Justin, you think you've done well at this now? Like, let's think about your children. And um, what, the way that I started to think was that one way we could sum up the past, you know, five or so minutes of conversation is that our habits form us. We become our habits, right? What I started to add on to that was, okay, wait, if we become our habits and then our kids become us, then there is a real serious connection to our children's formation and our habit formation because our children, in a way, become our habits. And everybody knows this, right? Like we always say, oh, we, the, the older I get, the more I become like my mom and dad. Or even <laughs> yeah. when you're not, you're kind of rebelling against the norm of what your mom and dad were. So yeah. you are, for better or for worse, uh, you know, you're stuck with the DNA you have. And you're stuck with the metaphorical DNA you have, too, in, in terms of your upbringing and your traditions. And you've got to figure out what to do with that. And so that that's a whole, a whole other topic in some ways. But <laughs> if you just think of it as a parent, oh, my gosh, a lot of the parenting work is not happening in that one moment where I said that one thing. Mm. It's happening in the normal churn of everyday life, which is forming them into a certain kind of human being. One that like, what does it feel like to live with you? What does it feel mm. like to live in your house? What does it feel like to be a part of this family who purportedly is a family of love, right? We would think that our, that's what our relationships are about. What mm-hmm. does a child feel like when he thinks or she thinks, my mom or dad love me? That is a big part. Um, no, rephrase. That is maybe the most important thing about us, right? Which is yeah. why I say the greatest spiritual work occurs in the ordinary moments of domestic life because that is where all the important things are caught, mm-hmm. not necessarily taught. It's where they're all caught. Um, that is what I'm most interested in getting Christian parents to rethink. I think usually, not a guarantee, but usually we're, we're thinking about, you know, how do I talk to my children and what do I teach them in terms of worldview? And if, if you're not, then, like, then start. We should be. But we should also be thinking about how do the rhythms of the household form this child into, you know, rhythms of like, how do we eat together? How, how does discipline work? What are our screen habits? What, what is the, the churn of relationship in the house? Or is there like, you know, so, so many things that we could talk about there, but that is where I think the meat of formation is in the house. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And I, I think if you even just take a, a second to think about some of your current habits and then how your kids respond in in similar mm-hmm. ways uh you can very quickly see that that is true <laughs> yes. Uh, and yes so both negatively and positively uh well, yeah. it's true so yeah it's good to 
to be thinking about that. Um, you know, it's more probably about forming your own. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and I would insert an encouragement there, just a note of humility. Anybody who stops to think about this as a parent is going to be like, oh, no. <laughs> um, and, and that, that was yeah. me. That's why I said both of these books came out of crisis. I mean, my sort of second crisis moment was I was putting my boys to bed. I had three then. Um, I have four now. And I was putting my three boys to bed. Um, this was about three years ago now. And it was just one of the typical nights where, you know, bath water is on the floor. They're, they're like running out of the bathroom and they're, they're wrestling and they're not listening and they're like hitting each other with board books. And I just blew my top and like started yelling them to bed, you know, mm-hmm. which was not unusual. Right. And then I give them yeah. their, you know, their usual like, good night. I love you. So does God a short prayer. And I walk out and, and I remember standing in the hallway just thinking, this is not unusual. This is normal. Hmm. What, what it, hmm. The normal night in our household is I lose my temper. I start yelling at them. I like threaten bodily harm unless they get in PJs right now. <laughs> and that's what it feels like to live with me. And that wasn't an encouraging realization. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, anybody who, like, because one of my primary realizations in this is that, that I'm an angry person and I try to control my kids with anger. So if you read Habits of the Household, you'll, you, you'll see like kind of a reiterating confession on that. And so other parents might have like this is their struggle or that is their struggle. But one of the main things that I realized as I started to rethink this is that I, I sort of talk about the love of God. But what it feels like to live with me is to live under an authoritarian who you better make happy because otherwise he's going to start like yelling. Right. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, that's not good at all. How are they going to yeah. think about God if, if like, God is their father, right? Um, so what came out of that with some help of a pastor and thinking is I started this bedtime liturgy with them where I went through these series of questions. And I'll say them real quick if that's all right because it'll help yeah. frame up what— um, So I started this little bedtime liturgy with them where I just, I'd ask them, can you see my eyes? And they'd say yes. And i see, can you see that I see your eyes? And they say yes. And then i say, do you know that I love you? They say yes. I say, do you know that I love you no matter what bad things you do? And they say, yes. And then I say, do you know that I love you no matter what good things you do? And they say, yes. And then we close with who else loves you like that? And they say, God does. And then I tell them, you know, rest in that love. Um, And that may sound sentimental and nice and organized, but like you can imagine the first time going through this with a three-year-old, it was not sentimental nice or organized the whole thing about can you see my eyes he was like i'm gonna poke your eyes or like when i said do you know that i love you no matter what bad things you do he's like no yeah i don't no you don't (laughs) um, but when uh one of the one of the things i constantly remind people is that nothing is normal in the house until it is like everything is acquired by routine and that's Mm -hmm. actually what makes families famous you know, families can make really weird things normal. That's what that's what family traditions are. Like, and you think about your own family, like, oh yeah. You know, you walk into another family, you're like, y'all are weird. And they'd walk into your family, like, y'all are weird. Um, but you can make what are initially very weird things, like an exchanging an intentional liturgy of God's love in the evening, actually quite normal quite quickly. And so I remember about a week later, um, one of my youngest sons uh, asked, like, hey, can we have our bedtime blessing now? And we exchanged that blessing. And at that point, they knew all the right answers. And it was like kind of a nice call and response. 
And what I remember, like closing the door that night and having my hallway epiphany that night, which is this is where I have most of my epiphanies in the hallway <laughs> after bedtime. Um, yeah. I remember thinking, you know, this is these nights were otherwise identical. Like it, it was still really chaotic. They did not become obedient children because of this little liturgy. They still struggle with that. <laughs> I still struggle with my temper. What what was changed is that I started to react to them differently because I was now looking for a different moment in the evening instead of just like finally they're in bed. The evening was driving towards a different habit, which was like we're going to mm-hmm. do this little bedtime routine. And that's when I kind of had a light bulb of like, oh, this is – this is why you want to think about habits of the household because they're like little levers of grace where you can take a small moment and do it a little bit differently with a little bit of practice. And God will use that. Think of the power of a lever in an inordinate way to change your reaction to your children and vice versa. And that's what I'm after in the household. It's like, how do we love each other and how do we express that love and feel that love and how can habits change the ways we approach situations because everybody knows the family is full of times where we're annoyed with each other and we're yelling at each other or we're mad at each other or we're hurting each other the question is not is that going to happen the question is what are we going to repair it are we going to fix it are we going to work on it are we going to repent of it are we going to confess it are we going to forgive and there are habits that we could talk about that lead us into those kind of moments and that's what i'm really interested in in the household yeah yeah that's good i uh one of the things that i have tried to make a habit in our household is in those moments where because i i similarly like you have had those moments uh on a regular basis of just like anger welling up um mm-hmm. and so when i see a, one of my children doing the same thing i'm immediately like oh i can't believe this is happening and then i'm like oh wait a minute I do this too. So (laughs) when it comes time for like some, some form of discipline, I, I am usually saying like, Hey buddy, uh, like you did this and this is not okay. And I want you to also know I do that too. Yes. Right. And, and you're not alone in this. And so like helping them to see that it's not just them doing this. Like everybody does this, but guess what? We're all forgiven and I'm going to forgive you as well. Will you forgive me? Um, so that's been huge. And also, I um, I, I don't know why I didn't make the connection until now, but as you're telling that story about that liturgy you do with your kids, uh, my wife, my, I, I think she said she heard on the family discipleship podcast, uh, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She, great, yeah. she was talking about it with our kids the other night and I was like, Oh man, she's going to be so happy to know that <laughs> we're connecting <laughs> that today. I, mean, I, I would, this would be like a dream because you know, my pastor, um, helped me think he's the one that gave me an idea of like, you should consider a bedtime liturgy. And he told me about one he did with his boys. And I sort of wrote mine based on that. And I just think it would be amazing if that was a normal thing that Christian Mm -hmm. parents did in some way or another, those words are someone else's words. Just the idea that what's normal for Christians is weird to the world. Like we use these little patterns because we're after something else in the household. That would be a dream. And that's kind of why, I, I wrote the book around the ordinary moments of the day from, you know, if you look at the chapters, you'll see like, yeah. you know, waking, meal times, moments of discipline, screen times, work, play, conversation, you know, this kind of stuff, ending with bedtime. And I, I just like, 
oh, like would that the church act differently in the ordinary things, knowing that it's the ordinary that makes us extraordinary. Because I think yeah. that that that's the call of the Christian life to reform it all because Jesus loves us. Yeah. Yeah. I think something I'm thinking about as as you're talking is um I remember going to a good friend of mine, he was my pastor at the time, when I found out uh, our wife was, or my wife, not our wife, <laughs> my wife was uh, <laughs> pregnant for the first time, <laughs> and I was going to be a dad, and I was overwhelmed with the feeling of, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. And so yeah. I just went to this guy, he had, I think, three kids at the time, and I was like, you got to help me out here. Like, you got to you gotta tell me what in the world I'm supposed to be doing. And so we, we started meeting regularly, and he walked through that, and I remember... One thing I, I remember that he said was, you know, your kids aren't going to remember that that one time you really nailed family devotion and like said this super eloquent right, thing right. and they're going to walk away with that forever. But they're going to remember my dad opened the Bible on a regular basis and we Amen. talked about it or my dad prayed Amen. with me every night before bed. And so the the thing I'm thinking is for people who may be like, oh, wow, you know, that thing Justin said was really eloquent. I don't know if I could make something like that. I, I would say yeah. it it doesn't have to be impressive. It it needs to be intentional because that that's the problem is if yeah. we're not intentional that yeah. something's gonna happen and it's probably gonna yeah. be us like you know yelling and screaming and, and being <laughs> angry and like uh, you know falling into some <laughs> some sinful patterns. So it should be intentional, but it doesn't have to be really really impressive or eloquent yeah. or anything like that. It's it's the culmination of all those the accumulation of all those things that really makes it. That's difference. so good. I- I might need, I'm going to ask you later if I can steal that Tanner, because <laughs> that, that distinction between like, don't, you don't need to impress, just be intentional. That, that is a great way to put it. Um, it. Particularly in the chapter on family devotions in the book, one of my biggest encouragements to people is just to move from nothing to something. As mm-hmm. in exactly what you said, like, you don't need to be a master of the Bible in front of your children you don't need to be an eloquent prayer in front of your children. Actually, what is fantastic is just to be intentional enough to create a, a record and a memory of, well, we we pray together, and it's okay to like have questions in prayer. It's okay to not know what a Bible story means. It's okay to... like That's actually one of the most important things that we can teach them in, ter- in terms of we don't come before God as the one who knows it all and doesn't need help. Those are yeah. the kinds of people Jesus is like, you don't get it. Sorry, you just like, <laughs> you, you need to go be like a child. Uh, the ones that Jesus, you know, is always affirming of is is the children or the sinners who are repenting, the people who are beating their chest saying like, I'm not worthy. Yeah. And that idea of like, we don't need to impress, like just do something intentional, I think is a brilliant way to sum up um, approaching habits because yours might look so different and that's fine you might not talk like i talk and that would be weird and that's fine i am weird it's fine like yeah. just but do something on purpose don't let yeah. life happen yeah. to you and your children help shape it because that's your sort of god-given power in the household to shape the reality of what a house looks like yeah. um so I, yeah i love yeah. that you brought that up um well to that end, as we kind of get towards wrapping up here, um, there's a, there's something you did in the in the closing of the book that I thought was was really great, uh, and I, I want to read a portion of it here. You say uh, you cannot start spending more time with your family next week. You can only do it this week because whenever you get around to it, it'll always be this week. <laughs> Likewise, you can't tell your daughter you're sorry tomorrow. You can only do that today. You can't start making space to ask your wife important questions next month. You can only do it this month. You can't start making it 
on time to your kid's ball practice next time. You can only do it this time. Whenever we change, it will always be in the present tense. And I think, mm. it, in, you know, in terms of what you're saying, being intentional, but also you don't, you don't have to wait until you can do it perfectly or you can do, right. you know, right. exactly the way you want it. Just start doing something and then grow and change from there. But you have to start today because I, I just that's so simple, but it it made a big impact on me of like, oh yeah, you're you can only do it in the present tense. I guess you can yeah. say you'll do it next week, but then if you actually do it, that'll still be in the present tense. Right, right. I guess this, this like silly little epiphany came to me as somebody who always was like, yeah, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll get around to that. And it was, I, I mean, there was a point where I realized, no, that's the story I tell myself. Yeah. So that I don't have to do the hard work today, which is, again, when always change, ha- change always happens. And I think, you know, to, I want to be encouraging people, not um, not making them scared about that. What I yeah. think the oomph of that, like what to take away from that is start today with something small. Don't yeah. wait until tomorrow to do something perfect or something big. Habits, whether you're talking about in your own spiritual disciplines and your, you know, your work rhythms or technology, or whether you're talking about your family rhythms, they happen incrementally. And that's the, actually the beauty of it is that you don't need to change everything um, by tomorrow. If you start working on one small thing today, that's how you you should. So a lot of people ask me like, how, how do I start? And I say, pick one habit and one friend. And say, let's do this together for a couple weeks because that's about the time that it takes for a new habit to form. Mm-hmm. And the brilliant thing there is that we always change in community um, far more than we change alone. Really, it's it's actually nearly impossible. Research shows you to, to change alone. But communal change, um, it's kind of like what the church is. We change together. And so whether it's yeah. your spouse and you're saying, we're going to work on this together, let's start this rhythm of mealtimes, or, or whether it's a friend and you say, let's practice this habit of scripture before phone that I write about in the common rule, you pick one and pick a friend and just try it. And it's beautiful because those habits sink under the radar, right? That's the nature of habit. They become semi-conscious to unconscious. And that's where you can then pick another one and, and add it on. And you really can, like people will read the book or like talk to me and they'll be like, well, how do you do all these habits? And my honest answer is like, I don't notice them. They're practiced, you know? You have a yeah. million habits too. And if I looked at your life, I'd be like, how do you do all that? They a- Habits aggregate. Like this is where we started, right? They're, they become semi-conscious and they ab- aggregate and they form you. And this, far from being a burden, they become semi-conscious. And this is like the grace that's the opposite of the burden. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live like you did yesterday. Grace, if, if it means anything, it means that that God is saying... I actually do want to change you. I don't just want to save you from your sins, though I have. I also want to sanctify you. I also want to change your life. And and grace means that you don't have to do the same things you did yesterday. You don't. Your life doesn't have to look the same way it looked last year. And actually, he can use these little levers of grace called habits to radically change you. And you could get to a year from now and look back and be like, oh my goodness, praise God. I live so differently and, you know, like that, like, and you can sing a praise song, you can tell your friends, you can evangelize, you can do all the right things that you do do to celebrate what God has done in your life. Um, but just know that he can change you. 
and yeah, and it usually yeah. starts with one little habit and one little friend. So don't wait till tomorrow. Start today. Yeah, love it. I I love <laughs> that that encouragement, especially because I'm a I'm a five years out, ten years out guy, and so it's really hard for me to not become overwhelmed with thinking about every aspect of my life and how I want so yeah. much to change and improve. Yeah. And I think you, you can't start there. You got to just take one step at a time. Like you said, pick one thing and one friend yeah. and work on it. And that, again, that stuff will accumulate uh, into a changed life where when you're one, two, three, four, five years down the road, you can look back and be yeah. like, so much has happened. Um, yep. that I, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to tackle all at once. For the people who are like you that do think far out, which, which by the way, like I would endorse and recommend in many ways. I just always tell people, to the extent you're that visionary, you're like, I want to be here in five years, here in 10 years, here in 15 years. That's actually great. I just always say, work it back with mm-hmm. a habit. Like New Year's resolutions are a great idea. Like, you, okay, you want to lose weight this year. Fantastic. No one does that outside of a daily habit of you know, exercise <laughs> or you want to, you know, you want to write a book this year. That's great. What's your daily habit of writing? So I love the idea of like setting big goals out there in the future. I just always say, figure out how to boil that goal down to a daily habit. And now yeah. you really got something. Invite yeah, a yeah. friend in and you're done. You're, you're, you're going to hit that habit. Like you're going to hit that goal. <laughs> like if you got a friend and a habit to get you there, you got it. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome awesome well justin thank you so much for coming on the show it's been great talking to you uh, it's been awesome guys I'd, I'd love to do it anytime you, you have me back it's a great great stuff yeah awesome and justin as we kind of come to the close here uh well, well one we definitely want to encourage people to to read the book habits of the household uh but if anybody is wanting to kind of follow and learn more about other projects or, or things that you're working on. Um, is there a way that they can keep up to date with what you got going on? Yes, absolutely. Um, you can find me online at thecommonrule.org or habitsofthehousehold.com or justinearly.com. You, you, you know, Google it and you'll find these websites. <laughs> I got, and I, yeah, you'll, it'll get you to the right place. And I am on social media. Um, even though I write a lot about critiquing social media, I do participate in what I hope are healthy and responsible ways. So anybody's always welcome to reach out to me there um, or, or uh, in my info boxes on the website because I love responding to people. I'll take a while, but I'll get you a response. So anybody's always awesome. welcome to reach out. Awesome. Awesome. Justin, thank you so much. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Absolutely. All right, everybody. We will see you next week. Peace. Bible and Stuff podcast is a production of Bible and Stuff. We do more than just podcasts, so if you want to know more about something we've covered on the show, just visit our website at bibleandstuff.com. Our show is hosted by Tanner Britt and Glenn Brand, and our theme music is by The Sing Team. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.